20th Century Fox presents a tribute to anyone who has ever been overworked, underpaid, and pushed to the edge by an ungrateful boss. <laughs> promptly at nine because if they're not on time they know they'll get the sack but before they begin the daily grind the boss takes his cup black they remember each date make sure he's not late and keep everything organized they reserve tables for brunch or a three martini lunch while they dine on burgers and fries they listen to all his problems. They do their best to please. And even if they run the show, he gets paid for their ideas. Great work. And so long as he's alive, from nine to five, they'll take it all they can. But what will go on when the light finally dawns that it's time to get back at that man? Jane Fonda, Lily Tomlin, and Dolly Parton. Nine to five. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Welcome back. I'm so excited for this music. Episode 200, <laughs> Pete. Episode 200. I mean, can you even believe it, Scott? I cannot believe that. It's uh, crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's literally been a long time coming. This uh, this little show pony has been on the road for a couple years now, but here we are, episode two hundred. Listeners, my name's Pete, and I'm Scott, and, and these, these are, are the, the movies, movies that made us gay. gay. Yes, indeed. Can you believe that. Like the main course started right when we began, like <laughs> movies that made us gay. That's awesome. Yeah, seriously. It's well, gonna be a really fun show today. Yes, indeed. So. We have a very special guest yes. joining us on the call. Helen guest. Ellis, author of American Housewife and the brand new Kiss Me in the Coral Lounge. Helen Ellis, welcome, welcome to, the, to the, show. the show. Hey, I was just saying, I'm a longtime listener, first time caller. <laughs> yes. I could not be so excited. And I will tell you, I'm doubly excited because the episode before this, which I listened to yesterday, was Mildred Pierce. Yep. Ah. And Toots 5 is my favorite movie. Mildred Pierce is my second favorite movie, and Tootsie is my third. Oh, so I feel like <laughs> yeah, I'm really coming in strong, and I'm so happy and honored to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're glad to have you. And, I mean, what a film choice. This movie is I, I mean, mean no episode words. 200, Iconic. we had to do 9 to 5, yeah. directed by Colin Higgins, starring, I mean, the trifecta, <laughs> Dolly, Lily, and Jane. Yes. We so saved many this, good wigs. We saved this baby for 200. <laughs> so many So, so many, many wigs. good wigs. Dolly's wig. I mean, that is just not a put that, like, shake that out of the bag and put on your head. There is some detail in that wig. That is teased more than like a fourth grade yep. uh, <laughs> outcast. But there's there, perfect little curls in it, though. Well, the I feel like it's just a marvel of like hair engineering. It's like it's up, it's down, it's parted. It's like a, a it's cloud. A comb in it at yeah. one, a nice comb. Yeah, she has a like that, that little like blue barrette situation okay. going on, like in the back. Yeah, it's just it's. it's it's so much, but it's, we often talk about, you know, uh, 
Drag Race just did a Night of a Thousand Dollies uh, runway. And not a lot of them did this early 80s white platinum. Perfect circle. (laughs) It is Jolly at her most beautiful. Yes. I don't know how old she is. It's 1980. Mm -hmm. But I think she is most beautiful she is 100 to me looking right. natural right, right. um her body is beautiful her face is beautiful the hair we've talked about for me it all goes down to the dora lee necklace yeah the gold yes, dora the gold. lee necklace that mm-hmm. came 20 years before the carrie bradshaw yeah. necklace yeah. She's the original gold you know necklace but the iconic look for me on dolly was the bubble night shirt Yes. yes. So she is her head with the with the just a t shirt with bubbles, soft bubbles soft, all over it. I thought bubble. she looked so sexy. <laughs> she did, and I mean, we'll we'll talk about this uh, as we get through the conversation. But Dolly's performance, and I think those that scene with her husband is like for a first time actor out of the gate, no so experience, good. no training. She's so natural in this, and it's like it all. Oh. You know, we think of Dolly, and I. Quote it often. <laughs> and you think of Dolly in nine to five in the I'm going to change you from a rooster to a hen with one shot. That's the monologue we yep. think of when yes. you think of Dolly. But that scene, as you said, with her husband, where he's saying, just smile, which is something that we ladies hear. Right, right. Often. And it doesn't always come off as well, but it came off super well. And she was so soft. And I, I so felt for her uh, because she was getting such a bad reputation. She was just a beautiful woman who was very good at her job, but the boss was spreading lies about her and none of the other quote unquote girls would talk to her at the office and it breaks your heart. She just broke my heart in that scene. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I mean, that just brings up like all the like talking points of this movie. And, you know, as you know, we kind of talk about our, our background with, with the movie and this being 1980, I was a very young child in 1980 i was like three but i have memories of just being fascinated with dolly as this kind of persona in the world and nine to five was just a huge hit the song was everywhere i saw it in the theater i am 52 I was 10 years old. Yeah. I went to the Tuscaloosa Mall and I I saw it. I guess it was PG probably yeah. at the time. Um, and it completely shaped my life. Yeah. Um, I was a secretary for most of my life when I supported myself writing. Yeah. You know, there was this thought of if you can answer and manage, you know, four or five phone lines, sure. work Rolodex, takes uh, take stenography, mm-hmm. then you would always have a job. And in my working life, I always had a job. And it was also such a feminist uh, manifesto, that movie. Right, right. And it shaped that and Designing Women, <laughs> hand in hand, and Pitsy, too, yeah. that were all around the same time. And they shaped my feminist uh, mentality. Absolutely. I mean, I, I'm of an age where all of the jobs that I've had I, um, most of the jobs that I've had, I've been managed by women, you know? Oh, I'm, that's interesting. Yeah. I'm kind of the same way too. The same, yeah. Um, whether they be retail jobs, corporate jobs, you know, I've always been, I mean, I worked at a, a public relations firm right out of college and it was founded by a woman and she, and the entire, I was only boy in the office, you know? Um, and so I've always just kind of had this, 
you know, uh, head in the clouds idea of like women in the workforce, you know, and when I go back and I watch something like this, I'm just like, this was in my lifetime. Yeah. Yes. This was very much my experience. And I can just list the number of times I was groped or grabbed or spoken to in a a bad way. Or um, I remember taking a job as a secretary for a private detective because when I moved to New York City, I tempted to start mm-hmm. off until I got a permanent job as a secretary. Mm-hmm. And I remember taking this temp job for a private eye and the woman before me said to me now, Joe, and that was his real name. <laughs> is just <laughs> You know, you're, I was probably 24, 25 at the time. And she says, now, just so you know, Joe likes to rub your shoulders oh, while, <laughs> yeah, while he gives you dictation. And I said, okay, because that is what you dealt with on almost every job. Right. Um, and as you saw Dolly and all the women, but especially Dolly, mm-hmm. you had to just, and I'm sorry to say this is, was the reality. You had to just mm-hmm. politely deflect, politely deflect, yeah. politely deflect. And you saw her do it again and again and again. You saw Lily Tomlin sort of bucket, but then no, she had to bend, yes. you know, yep. to get what she wanted. And I, when I watch this, I will just throw this in there. I've seen it at least 20, 30 times. I mean, <laughs> I haven't seen it in probably 10 years, but I was throwing out, you know, uh, quotes the whole time. I knew what the marijuana was going to be called. <laughs> Maui Wowie. You know, I knew it all. Um, but what I noticed this time watching it was that Lily Tomlin never spoke ill of Dolly Parton. Yes. Um, uh-huh. When she was taking... Uh, uh, Jane Fonda mm-hmm. through the office that everyone was trashing her and she never spoke badly of her. And I was really happy to see that. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like Lily is like, I mean, this is her, this is her movie. This is Lily. Like she's just killing it the entire time. But you know, it's like kind of going back to where, where I started. It's like, well, th- thank goodness we've, we've solved feminine uh, or we've solved oh. sexism in the yep. workplace. <laughs> thank goodness that's over. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I just do, I, I've always felt it so interesting that I kind of never really, as a man, I've had this privilege to not really have to think about it. And when it's put in your face as blatantly and you have these three actresses just going in and knocking it out of the park, you know, Lily is clearly killing it. Dolly, we love. And another thing that I didn't really think of until this viewing was that how kind of outside of character this was for Jane. It was my first, I was 10 years old when I saw this. So that was my first meeting of Jane Fonda. You know, I did not know Jane Fonda at 10 yeah. years old. Yeah. But, you know, I kind of, she already was. I mean, Clute? I didn't know Clute. Right, right. <laughs> um, I didn't know Sunday in the Park at 10 years old. Mm-hmm. And so this is who I thought Jane Fonda was. And to watch it again, to watch it now, all these years later, I think it was her, I think it was her movie. Right. So this is going to be interesting. Okay, okay. <laughs> I think it could be her movie as well because she was the outsider coming in. And she was coming in as a housewife, desperate to take a job. And the only job she could get was to be a secretary. Yeah. And there's that moment when they are stealing what they think is the boss. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> really having a bit of a breakdown and... Judy steps forward and says, we're not going to panic. We have to, you know, yeah. we have to stay calm. To and she's together. the one that yep. came up with 
with the lie of, of getting them out. She was strong. They all had these moments of like stepping up and taking control. It's such an equal footing. Um, but I thought it was Jane's movie because I felt like she was really shining a light on what was going on in the in the offices. Yeah. And- uh, for everything that I've read about this movie, that Jane Fonda, I mean, she always kind of, Jane loves to champion causes, causes, and I know that she was working with office workers at the time about stuff like fair work environments. And Jane kind of thought, wouldn't it be so cool if we made a movie highlighting the plight of these office workers? And she wanted to do it as a comedy. She wanted to make people laugh, because that is the most accessible thing that you can do as a movie, I think, to really mm-hmm. shed light light on causes and stuff and that was kind of the idea of nine to five and then she worked with the writers colin higgins and patricia resnick she tells the story of that she was listening to the radio and i think it was is it two doors down by Mm -hmm. by dolly Dolly, and that song was on the radio and she thought wow dolly's never done a movie we need to like cater this role to dolly and this was around the time that dolly I think had a three picture contract with 20th Century Fox. So it was oh. just kind of, they just both kind of naturally led to something like nine to five. Mm-hmm. Also, Jane. It, mm-hmm. it is, it is written for her. She steals every scene. I quote this movie, my family quotes this movie constantly. And it's that moment of, um, Judy, could you step back here for oh, a second? Oh, yep. my God. Dolly's delivery when of that she- scene is so funny. <laughs> Her delivery when she asked them both to come back to the trunk. Dead. Oh, Violet, could you just step back here for one second? <laughs> yeah. So good. So good. Yeah, I, I, I love it. I also think a lot of this movie for Jane Fonda's career narrative is sort of being back in public favor with the majority of America, especially conservative America, because the 1970s were yeah. a very tumultuous time for Jane Fonda's career. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And here she comes with her plethora of pussy bows and rufflenecks. <laughs> she undoes that ruffleneck once in the whole movie. And that's actually spent like two nights uh, tying tying the boss up. Yeah. Uh, then when she, and I remember when I was 10 years old, seeing Jane Fonda in that satin negligee <laughs> with no bra. I commented on that. <laughs> yes. Running around talking about doing M&M's. M&M's. <laughs> M&M's. <laughs> But, you know, she was so prim. And then to see her Mm -hmm. that prim and that sexual. Yeah. uh, I mean, it was still a nightgown to the floor, but it was still. (laughs) You could see it all. But you could see. No, again, no tree branch bra underneath. (laughs) (laughs) You saw it all. Yes. And I mean, coming from her first shot, her entrance in this movie, looking kind of like Tootsie. (laughs) Yeah. She looks exactly like Tootsie walking, <laughs> oh my God, walking through this through the city yes. with her Dustin Hoffman. Yeah, yeah. You know, big, the but you wit- have to scrunch mm-hmm. to make it look softer. And the, as I'm wearing my Tootsie slash Judy Burnley love, homage, love. Uh, 1980s carpal glasses mm-hmm. in her honor, and the pussy bow, the vest, yeah. the t- little, little uh, leather tuck purse, so prim. Um, and then we have have to say, looking so sexual in that <laughs> fantasy. So, like, can we talk about the fantasies that they all have about yeah. pulling the boss? Where she is clad in short shorts, 
they all had pantyhose on yes, all of the yeah. time <laughs> and, a, and a rifle. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not pushing that. It is a very macabre movie. It is. Um, yeah. Basically, oh. they cut his head off and put it, it on, a, on a board. Oh, my They boost <laughs> him over a spit <laughs> and they poison him and push him out the window. Um, it is really dark and delicious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, those. Those uh, fantasy sequences are crazy. Another thing I only realized upon watching it last night is they all come true. Yep. Mm-hmm. Every bit mm-hmm. of their fantasy. Some version of them, yep. <laughs> yeah, a, a little version the of it. Writing, they all end up doing it. The writing from the very beginning is perfection. I yes. think it is a perfectly written movie. I mean, everything you see when they first walk through the office comes back, comes back, comes yeah. back. That gun is mentioned several times. We see the deer head on the wall. Mm-hmm. We see his head on the wall. You know, um, and, you know, the scarf comes into play as a gag, a literal gag. Yeah. Uh, you know, everything. <laughs> Everything comes back, comes back, comes back. It is so well written. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know what's something that's a, just a little interesting when you watch the movie in a, a modern sensibility is just kind of saying, wow, look at this 1980s office. Sure. You know, how, my how things have changed. Uh, also, consolidated companies, what do they do? Who knows? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> what do they, they do, do around the office? They have an office in Brazil. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they have offices in South America. Yeah, uh, we don't know what they do. It doesn't matter. But um, no. you know, we've, we've kind of like Dynasty. I never knew what they did. There's something with oil. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, we we've all well. Most of us who've worked in corporate America, who have worked in this type of a of a situation, um, sometimes you get a little bit of imposter syndrome. Just like like Jane, like Judy, you're just like, sure, I can work the Xerox machine. Oh, of course, that, I got it. That Xerox machine, daunting. Oh. Well, I will tell you again. I I was a secretary for my, for most of my Co- work life. Career, you know, my nine to five really was nine to five life. Yeah, and the pride that I took and still take if I ever go into a Kinkos to run a to run a Xerox machine to unjam a Xerox sure. machine yeah, yeah. to man to the the biggest skill which I loved in the movie that Dolly had was you know making other people think that your boss was in the office. Sure. Yeah. In fact, he was not in the office. Sure, sure. You know, uh, there was it. There's like this guard dog mentality that comes along with being a career secretary. Yeah, and uh, and they, I thought they displayed that very well. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's 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 so interesting seeing an office pre email. Sure. You know, yes, yes. And inter office yeah. memos being Every, done by hand. Everybody has their little yes. typewriter. And just some, some And you have to put the dust cover yep. over <laughs> the typewriter. If, when you leave every day, I had I did that. I'm of that age. You yeah. got can't let dust get into that IBM Selectric. No, not at all. Uh, and there was you know, and the phone the phone uh Oh yeah, the, the shoulder rest. rest. I was gonna it. say if there are word pro if there are word processors in the office, they are probably limited. Probably yeah. just so yeah. many people had them. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I too remember the giant uh, Xerox machine and learning how to collate and learning how to yes. put, oh, packa- yes. put packets and together. And them and laying them this way and this yeah. way. This way, cross <laughs> And I've, I've done, again, that because is the a staple Because the staple in the corner yes. would pile up, so you had to offset yeah. them. 
Yeah. Yes. All- <laughs> and some people, believe me, I have worked for different people. They like to have their uh, staple to go perpendicular. Oh, yes. Absolutely. This person liked it to go diagonal. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget the 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 public relations, the PR person that I worked for, they had to be. They had to be perpendicular to the page and not diagonal. And yes. that, when that was a setting, yes. that was a setting. <laughs> and, it, and the other, again, another skill, if something had to go into that, you had to be able to take your staple remover, that oh, little yeah. claw, mm-hmm. take it out and, and then staple it right where those holes were. We don't want to have no. four holes no. in the paper. We got to get able to get it right in. This is profe- like piercing an ear or something. Professional America. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yes. the other, the other thing that this, that's so true about this is that kind of inter office politics, just with your coworkers on a day to day, we all had that Roz character that you're sure. just like, <laughs> you can't trust that one. I think it was Chris Rock had a routine where he says, your wife works with one bitch. Yeah. <laughs> and all you have to say when she comes home is, what did that bitch do? <laughs> and that was Roz. And there's that moment where she's running after the invisible Mr. Hart. And yeah. she gets to the elevator. And it closes. She gets this little. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I love it. Roz, played by Elizabeth Wilson. You might remember Elizabeth Wilson as Dr. Pinderslaus from the Adams Family. Yes. She's in the Adams Family. She's in the Adams Family. And we were also looking at her filmography. She's in The Birds. She works at the cafe in The Birds. She works at the Tides Restaurant. Yeah. Oh, well, she's another student. With, again, I'm sure you watched Mad Men, yes? Yes. Did you watch Mm -hmm, Mad Men? So Joan would walk around with that necklace and the pin on the necklace. (laughs) Roz had a little brooch with the pin hung off the brooch. Yeah. And I thought that was something I seen before. That was kind of fierce. I was like, oh, she's wearing this brooch lap. Then I was like, oh, it's a pin. I love it. Did you notice? Did you notice Lily Tomlin wore a huge butterfly ring the whole time? Yep. I had not noticed that, and it made me think of Dolly because Dolly loves. Ah, uh, yes, love is like well, a butterfly, and it's, and it's built into her fantasy sequence of when she's of when she's putting in the sure, poison. No way, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. We also loved <laughs> so that. We also loved that Violet had this kind of like that like Asian like house coat situation that she yeah. wore at the office. Because it I was thought- like this weird. Mr. Rogers situation yeah. where she would wear like a kimono yeah. to go make coffee. I thought and it was then a fitted sweater. Yeah, I thought it was a blouse, but then we saw it in another day and I was like, oh, this is just something that she wears at work over her outfit of the day to yeah, to go make yeah. the coffee or to what is what is the um the sugar substitute called? Fit skinny and sweet. Skinny and sweet. Skinny and, skinny sweet. and, sweet. Skinny and sweet. Oh my god. We yeah. thought it was skinny. There is again. I think about. I think about the direct. I, this time I'm watching it again, just with all this time. Yeah. And I'm watching it, and I see how well directed it is, and how mm-hmm. the cinema. I guess cinematography is the word mm-hmm. I'm looking for. How well that it's done. There's that moment where she. It's the end of the day, and Violet has her little half kimono on, and she's <laughs> going to close up in the kitchen and Judy is going off to do something and there's a sort of split screen yep. and we're looking on the right as Judy walks out of frame and Lily is in the 
in the kitchen where we know she's going to discover that she has just poisoned the box. <laughs> and you just see her fly out in that kimono with the skinny and sweet, just hysterical. And it's such a good shot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, okay. I was reading up a little bit on this movie and I want to hear the two of your thoughts. Okay. On. Okay. The first half of the movie is there's the, you know, the, the, gender gap situation and the sexism in the office. And, you know, you hear Violet's story about like, she actually trained uh, Dabney Coleman when he was in his management, junior management program. And now he's the boss and now she's up for this promotion. And, you know, and just the day to day of, of Judy and, and, you know, how uh, belittling he is when he's having that first meeting with her and all this. And it's very, like, it's it's funny because it's them, but it's also very frustrating. And yeah. what I imagine at the time in 1980 to be a little, like, cutting edge. Like, hey, we're, like, sure. shining a light on this. Mm-hmm. This is real, right? And yeah. how many women out there are just like, yeah, fuck this. <laughs> like, this is awful. Yeah. Yeah. But then it gets to the point where he does have his 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 fall we think she she poisoned him did he drink it did he not and it turns into this like very farce you know the the music is like the music from clue it's like and like very fast and everybody's driving really quick and running all through all through the hospital and stealing a body and all this crazy stuff it's like a lot of the critique was that the second half of the movie fell into too much of a sitcom kind of a feeling and the first half was a lot more like edgy and like topical i think that's what i think that's what makes it fun though and does it make the movie disjointed obviously you don't think (laughs) i disagree and i will give you a case in point okay when when judy and violet are rushing to the hospital from Mm -hmm. the office to tell them you got to pump a stomach we poisoned them they have to stop and clock out yeah, yeah. <laughs> they are hysterical <laughs> but god forbid they don't clock out like yeah. that's where they're god forbid their you, you do and that on company all, time all of that you know throughout all of the you know as you say what's the word you use sort of like sitcom farce yeah, yeah you know far, the, the yeah. set to the benny hill <laughs> i loved it because again there was this sense of reality the entire time and there was a great moment where Lily Tomlin has thrown on a lab coat and is pushing his body out of the out of the hospital and a candy striper stops her oh but you're a doctor and she has this moment where she says oh yeah I'm the doctor what am I talking to you for it's off and completely what her boss has done to her for her whole life you know that power just I, I you know I thought even even though it was like sitcommy and I don't know if that's the word. I thought it was so well written and still so realistic. Yeah. I could just go on and on. Okay. What do you think? Yeah, Scott, what were you I'm into say? it. I think it's <laughs> a lot of fun. And I kind of forget the middle section of the movie where they poison him. For some odd reason, I immediately just go to him in the little contraption back trust his house. Yeah. But yeah, the whole dead body stuff at the morgue. Of you all know, of them that's disposing a, of this oh body. God. We've got another. We've got another. We got another the one. <laughs> but that's another moment of this. Candy Striper is talking to Lily Tomlin, and she's just like, "Oh, where's the coffee shop?" Blah blah blah. And she goes, "Oh, 
I didn't know you were a doctor until I looked at your name tag, thinking that like yeah. just automatically defaulting to she must be a nurse. Mm-hmm. She must she couldn't yep. be a doctor as a woman, right? And that's just another little thing that flies by or flies over your head, but just like, oh yeah, this candy striper just defaulted to she's a nurse. And now when I looked at your name tag, I said, oh okay, you're a doctor. Sorry, sorry, I didn't even mean to talk yes. to you. Like, and you, you take sure. that a level that you take it even further down where they bring the body back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and just put it in a bathroom in a wheelchair with, again, so grotesque with the blue arms. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Sheet. And you've got the janitors, mm-hmm. the female janitors in the morgue or in a bathroom. Yeah. And they say, we've another. got another God. So it's clearly the, the, this disrespect, not yeah. just like leaving your bedpan out. Let me leave a whole body out for you to deal with, like, my ladies. Uh, <laughs> uh, just a tiny bit of trivia. I read uh, the Candy Striper is Florence Henderson's daughter. No way. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I love that. I didn't know that. Yeah, that was... I, I'm, I was a Candy Striper, I oh. will tell you. <laughs> it affects me in many ways. This movie has affected me in so many so ways. Many levels. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I will tell you in the Druid City Hospital in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, the best hamburger in the city could be found uh on the morgue level. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. Uh something else that slapped me in the face in this movie, on this viewing, I should say, is when Violet does get passed over for the yes. promotion and he's you know she's kind of taking him to task for it and he says another person she trained another person yep. she trained and the uh, man. D- uh mr hart says uh he's got he's got a family to support and yeah. i will never and a for- college degree and a co- well a college degree yep. that's one thing yeah. but i will never forget and i mean not to throw her under the bus or anything but Growing up, when I was in high school and my grades were like slipping or whatever, my mom would always tell me, like, you have to get good grades because you have to go to college because you have to get a good job because you're going to have a family to support. Wow. That was always the end of – that was the end of why you have to have good grades because Uh your job is going to be the one that has to make the money because you have to support the family. See, I was raised with, you have to be able to take dictation, yeah. type 95 words a minute. I'm not kidding. Yeah. You know, because, because you don't know. When, you don't know right, because, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, have to be, you have to have something to fall back on. You have to have something to do to support yourself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's so interesting. And again, talking about just excellent writing, when, when, Lily Tomlin is taking Judy through in that very first five minutes. You find out everything about mm-hmm. everyone just mm-hmm. in her introducing people. And she says, you know, oh, um, Jesus, I'm going through a divorce. My husband slept with the secretary. And she says, oh, well, you're lucky. I'm a widow and yeah. have four to support. Yes. And also speaking of, of the writing, we get these, like everything is paid off. We, all, we always talk about how good of a screenwriter that... Uh, and he may be a little corny, but how good of a screenwriter James Cameron is. Because you watch Titanic oh. and every little beat, Jack showing Rose how to spit off the side of the ship. You see, you see, you see her spitting in Cal's face you at see the end the of the gun. movie. 
you know, they set up early, they set up yeah. and they pay off. And yeah. you, you may think it's just a cute little scene where we, where we get to see Violet interacting with her son, fixing the garage door. And he says, yes. I'm going to, I'm going to put a joint in your purse and all of that. But yes. Not only does oh, it, no, it's the, it's the, it's the, I don't want it. I don't approve it. I don't approve of it. Come on. It's just one joint. Slip it in Slip my it purse. In my ba- <laughs> yeah. So not only does the joint come back and gets them, you know, together yes. as his as his friend group, but her knowing how to fix and install this automatic garage door opener. <laughs> like it all falls into place later on in this movie. And that's so brilliant about this little scene yeah. that you would think is just it didn't have to be in the garage. It could just, you know, they could have been washing the car or mopping the floor or yeah. anything in the house, but we're setting up that it's the wax on wax on. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Violet has to her, you know, she is, she's a widow and she's a mother. And so she has to be the mom and the dad. And she has to know how to not only, you know, fix their lunch, but you know, fix the garage door. And a little tiny detail that I never had picked up before was Today, you know, in these days with people are, can be so vocal with their criticism and sometimes that creeps into your head as a viewer. Mm. And there's this moment where they've been at Dabney Coleman's house for days. And I think to myself, who's taking care of her children? <laughs> and then I realized there is one throwaway line when she's in that garage mm. and you see through the window and, she, and she's saying to her son, your grandmother would never approve of it. And you realize that her mother is in the backyard yeah. helping to take care of these children. Yeah. It's just just beautifully slipped in there. So yeah. it's justified, you know, justified, you know, they're okay. Yeah. Yeah. And there's like, she's on the phone, Lily Tomlin, you wonder if it was written or if she was just ad-libbing where it's Violet Newstead, please hold Violet mm. Newstead, please hold. Hi kids. And yes, you can, there's enough peanut butter and banana sandwiches <laughs> for everyone. No, I don't want to talk to the dog. Yeah. Click. Yep. <laughs> Click. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. And all that stuff of, I mean, secretaries and pre- like pre voicemail, all that mm-hmm. stuff. These women were keeping these yeah. business. Like, I don't think that Mr. Hart knew how to work that Xerox machine. Oh, no. Absolutely <laughs> not. Absolutely not. And there's a wonderful moment I can sign, you know, when Dolly Parton says to him, I can sign your name better than you can. Yep. And again, that comes into play again and again and again. But I used to do that. Mm-hmm. And when I, I used to sign my husband's name too yeah. all the time for bills. And when I, published American Housewife and I went to give, you know, to sign my first book, I wrote my husband's name. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> because I had I signed his name more than I did Your my own. own. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. True, true. It's true. Yes. <laughs> am I am I proud of it? No, but this is secret sharing time. I mean, hey. Uh I, I want to talk a little bit about Mr. Hart's wife. I Missy. Kind of, I kind of Missy. love Mr. Hart's wife. And I like that this script kind of likes her i like that whenever dolly talks about her dolly likes her and again a wonderful moment yep. she is given mr hart who you just they just give you so much with so little mm-hmm. he has dolly parton alone in his office and he says you know i want to give you a gift for that mistake I made. And she says, oh, well, I know better now that when you asked me to come to a convention with you out of town at a hotel, I have to check that there really is a convention, <laughs> you know, and he gives her this scarf, yeah. um, all but tries to pull out rape her, Yes, mm-hmm. you know, gives her the scarf and the wife comes in and she does nothing to yeah. hide the fact that 
oh, you know, that's a beautiful scarf, says Missy. And she says, your husband gave it to mm-hmm. me. Sure. Yep. <laughs> Puts it right out there. Um, and you know, and I feel like, do you, here's my question to you. Do you think that Missy knows the type of man her husband is and right. that, you know, he was coming on because Because, yeah, when she does say, oh, thank you, it was, your husband gave it to me. She's like, oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. She's yeah. not like, why? So be- and you're so pretty. Yeah. <laughs> and you wear it so well, you know, and she says, well, thank you. I appreciate that. You, you know, know, but I may- want Maybe she does know because when she is trying to get him to go with her on this four-week Italian cruise, to which she says no, she ends up going on an eight-week cruise. Yeah. <laughs> and she knows. She comes back early because she knows her husband isn't sending her flowers. Yeah. It's orally sending them on behalf of him. Yeah. She knows that. So, so, yeah. So maybe if she just understands, hey, I'm a kept woman, but this is... But she's not kept. That, well, that's she's true. Done with the money, you know, which was also said that's in right. a very offhand oh, way. That's that right. Never leave her because she's a meal ticket. Oh, that's you know? right. They did say that she was a meal ticket. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe she just figures it's a it's a convenience. Who knows? But um, maybe it's a little bit of reverse. Like she's he's her little plaything. Right, sure. You know? yeah, maybe. Yeah. I would like to think that's what it is. Yeah. Like in her in her circles where she doesn't even have to work because she is the meal ticket and has the money. He's kind of like the show husband who's like, look, he's this upper management level, you mm-hmm. know, executive. She could and have a guy on the side. That status. Yeah. And yeah, who knows? Yep. What, what yeah. is she doing in, on this eight-week crew? <laughs> yes. Yes. Maybe she's her, he's her beard. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Just never know. I, who was she on that crew? For two months. I'm telling you. <laughs> I immediately recognized her from uh, It's a Living. I feel like It's a Living is kind oh, of God. like a spiritual <laughs> sitcom to something like 95. Yeah. <laughs> with with Angeline, who I love. And I just remember on, on It's a Living and in this, she always struck me as just this glamorous, like, like Dolly's glamorous in, in her own way, but I feel like, uh, and I... I forget her name. Or Missy? Missy, Missy Hart, yeah. Missy. She just, with that pile of hair and just like, I don't know, she just always struck me as this like glamorous woman. And um, played by Marion Mercer. Marion Mercer. And on It's yep. a Living. And all, all natural. Those are her real teeth. <laughs> <laughs> all natural. All those women, even Dolly, they all look very natural. Mm-hmm. You see, uh, you see, you see the lines on the faces. Yeah, you know, I don't yeah. think, uh, Jane Fonda had a, had a, had had a lick of surgery yet, no. or Lily Tomlin, or Dolly. Um, they all there was gray hair. Yeah. Roz had mm-hmm. gray hair. You know, um, you it was just very authentic. Um, and I don't you don't see that that often. Oh no, absolutely not. Yeah, I think this is a, this was definitely a time before. Uh, I mean, actors have been capping their teeth and doing all that yeah. forever, but I think nowadays it's like everyone does sure. it but now i think maybe at that time it, yeah just less less prevalent but just got by on attitude and some troll tops yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and i don't know maybe lily tomlin being coming from comedy never really felt the need to go yeah. that like uh that route as far as her her appearance jane but and jane always looked so beautiful you know no but they were put together in 80s Height of fashion. So many belts. So Mm -hmm. many belts with the dresses. So many pussy bows. So many, uh, you know, gold, open toe gold shoe with the, with the 
uh, reinforced toe, you know, <laughs> peeping out. You know, we didn't so see clever. what we didn't see in this was the 80s trope of the office woman showing up in sneakers. sneakers. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely not. <laughs> Working girl style. Absolutely no, not. Jane Fonda's like, no, I'm going to wear heels the no. whole time. <laughs> Judy's wearing heels the whole time. No. Reeboks yeah. are for my workout tapes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I feel like Lily Tomlin would probably be wearing Reeboks to the office, though. Well, also, but she they, strikes me as that uh, character. They mentioned that they drove to work. Yeah. Yeah. Parking park stops. in the park downstairs. So if you're driving there's to work, the, you don't have. You don't have she, to when, do it. When Lily is having her Snow White fantasy, mm-hmm. that is what it is. Yes. I can't believe Disney was How okay with all that. I, I um, think that they made the look just different enough. Different enough. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, she, there was a moment where she's, you know, leaving the, after, you know, poisoning the coffee, she, she walks out <laughs> and we see all the little animated animals mm-hmm. at her feet and she's in flats. And yes. I noticed. Yeah. She's in flats. And then I started to watch her feet the rest of the uh, of the movie when she was not in flats. No, no. I was trying to pinpoint, because that's just what we do on, on this show, trying to pinpoint where this was set. But I think it just... We were sort of... I yeah. mean, we were recognizing, is that Wilshire Boulevard yeah. in L.A.? I are they downtown? Sh- I don't know where they are. All my life, I thought it was New York City. So did I. But, you know, yeah. I thought it was. But uh, no, where is it? Every city USA. It's, it's, sh- it's shot in Los Angeles, but I don't think it's intended to be Los Angeles. I think it's yeah. just intended to be, you know, because I don't know. Dabney Coleman is not giving like Los Angeles executive to No, me. not really. <laughs> uh, <laughs> He's giving me the same thing he gave me in, uh, in Tootsie. In Tootsie, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lying Coleman. egotistical. What is it? Lying egotistical. Yeah, uh, yeah. Chau- chauvinist, I think, is in there. Um, he is an bigot. interesting choice. Bigot, yeah. Yeah. Dabney Coleman we should talk about because I think for the 70s and eight, late 70s, early 80s, when he was kind of at his peak. He was working. He was working <laughs> a lot. And was Dabney Coleman kind of a hunk at that time? <laughs> Was Daphne? What? Well, I don't know. I don't, really? I don't, I, don't know. I don't find him particularly attractive. I don't no, either. That's what I'm saying. I, I don't. I, I'm trying to get the appeal. Is it just because he's funny? Like the appeal of Dabney Coleman as this man? And I know that Mr. Hart is supposed to be a, you know, egotistical. You know, a lot. I lie. Egotistical, chauvinist, hypocritical, bigot. Bigot. So that's not the right. That's not right, the right order. The order. They say it three times. They say it three times. In yeah. The um, so I'm just trying to understand, like, Dabney Coleman as, like, this this box office draw. As I know he's funny, and we get that. But, yeah, are, is he supposed to be appealing, like, sexually? No, no, no I don't think so. I don't think, so. Yeah. I think I don't think he's the draw. No. I don't think he was the draw in Tootsie. I don't think he was the draw in this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's sort of like that every... Man, okay, but not way. Uh, You know, he fit the he fit those parts of bully. Like there's a again a great moment in not Tootsie in the in nine to five where Judy Burnley meets him for the first time and he's trying to be charming and he's like, my girls are the most important to me. You come to me anytime. Blah blah blah. And when he walks in and that Xerox machine is going berserk and he turns a dime and he 
brings her yeah. out. You're a moron, you know, yeah. and she has to keep it together and then cry quietly after he leaves. You know, that is the kind of role he plays so well. And the kind of thing, you know, I've seen it. I've seen it. Yeah. Many times. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I once had a boss tell me, I don't pay you to think. <laughs> I said, yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. Cause that's, back in the day when you had to make that you had to make the money yeah but yeah i don't pay you to don't think and that's what and that's when you really feel for violet for lily tomlin's character mm-hmm. when she does get passed over for the for the promotion and she ju- you know she does kind of oh. tell him mm-hmm. she does tell him how you know how she feels but at the same time she knows she needs to keep this job yeah yeah so she knows that, that she like, needs this she needs this promotion. her idea and presents her oh. idea of the coding, the oh. color coding, you know, presents it as his own right in front of her. Yeah. Right in front of her. And, and another wonderful moment where they have it out because he's promoting this other person that she trained, not mm. other person, a man mm. that she trained. And she's blowing up at him and Dolly Parton walks in and she says, you know, you are never going to call me girl again. I'm not your mother. I'm not your wife. I'm not your mistress. And Dolly Parton says, what? That's right. We all know you're sleeping together. Yeah. Who's been saying that? Who's been saying that? He has. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's just delicious. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm trying to think of just sort of Hollywood vehicles for women that this is a movie, 1980. That yeah. the 70s, I feel like, was a very masculine time for yeah. Hollywood films. Cinema. And this mm-hmm. is a major movie from 20th Century Fox, and it's starring three ladies. Three yes. women. That yes. I think just at the time, that would have been so different and cool. Was it sort of taken for granted? Was it seen as a fluke? I don't really it know. It was so special. I mean, again, for yeah. me... As a 10-year-old at the time of a, a mother, my mother went to law school when I was 10 years old. So mm-hmm. she had just started, she just had been a housewife and she went to law school when she was 40 years old. And so to me, the 80s were such a uprising of uh, of women as special things. Again, I, I tell you, in the mid-80s, it was uh, Thursday night or whatever night it was, it was designing women. Mm-hmm. It was the golden girls, you know, it were, were these vehicles for women. Um, and this was so special, even though, but the thing was the, the roles they were placed in were very realistic roles. Sure. You know, there's the divorcee who had never worked. There is the, you know, the widow, there is the, the misunderstood, uh, sex pot who was very good at her job. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. type looked to be three inch acrylic nails. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they were in a very realistic spot in life, but to watch them rise to power and to watch them change that office within six weeks, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, we're going to have, part-time uh, shift changes. We're going to allow personal things on the desk. We're going to have the very first thing when they're putting those memos down is equal pay. Yeah. And of course, when the big boss comes through, he says, these are just terrific changes. This daycare center is wonderful, but we're going to have to scrap that. But we got to get rid of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, I don't know how legal it, I mean, of course this is a movie, so we're going to give it that. But I don't know how legal it is to dismiss someone for talking about salary. You, you, used to, you used to be able to fire people for anything. Yeah. You really did. It's very difficult to fire someone now. Yeah. Yeah. I know a woman 
got fired because she had bug eyes. Oh no, no. The boss did not care for it. Get I also worked somewhere where you couldn't wear sandals because yeah. the boss didn't like toes. Right. Like you know, this was the way it it really was. It's very difficult to fire someone yeah. these days. But if they said, you know, like again, this woman Maria was fired because she compared her salary mm-hmm. to Ross's and Mr. Hart's, and. It was very spelled out that you don't talk about salary. When Judy said, what am I going to be making? And Viola says, we don't talk about salary. It's, you know, and Maria got fired for that, but then came back. She came back. They brought her back for, for her part, for part time. So she could be with her kids. But I mean, I've, I've worked in, in places where, you know, talking about salary was, was very taboo, but I know that like a lot of people would be like, well, like legally in the state of California, like there's transparency laws and all this stuff. But, um, you know, yeah, I've, I've definitely had employers who were just like, zip it. Don't talk about it. But thanks. I don't work there anymore. <laughs> but, but yeah, I, mean, I always find the union conversation, especially at my job yeah. to be Shut very, it <laughs> it's very awkward of when yeah. like somebody brings up the grocery union and you're standing like right next to your boss just kind of all of these Instagram and Twitter accounts trying to mobilize employees. And luckily, I mean, thank God that my job currently is sort of forming policy to kind of maybe kind of mitigate meet, mitigate, yeah. and yeah. kind of match some of those demands a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, it's a very... It's a very awkward. It's a very awkward conversation. Yeah, and yep. but, and we're talking now when there are all these like laws in place, and everywhere you go, there's the big OSHA poster, you know, telling you your rights as an employee. Mm-hmm. And I can only imagine in the '80s, those notifications were may have been around, but just <laughs> like you said. No, like you talk about again. I go back to how well written this script mm-hmm. is. You think to yourself, how are we going to get these three women to come together? Yeah. And Violet, you know, storms out to get drunk. And again, another thing that my family always says is, "At a girl, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to get drunk. At a girl." And then, uh, you know, Doralee is, you know, sexually attacked. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get a drink, Roz. At a girl. And how are we going to get Judy there? Well, we get Judy there because Maria was fired, and Judy, who is new to the system, you know, is so offended yeah. as we are that someone got fired for talking about her salary i'm gonna go tell violet about it and goes yeah. down she's like charlie's at a girl yeah <laughs> you know go <laughs> meet them um it's so well written we loved their drink choices yeah i was gonna say i wanted to bring up when they're yes. when they're in the i want to look up where that bar is it's charlie's it's charlie's that's a very bar. it's probably yeah. like an right. old bar downtown yeah what so dolly parton is drinking a beer mm-hmm. yep as uh, dolly would little tom and margarita yes what what is Jane Fonda it drinking? Lo- it it looks like, like it's a milk. It looked like there was foam on there. I think it's like a. It's, yeah. I think it's like a cocktail, <laughs> probably. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say like a pink squirrel. Oh, I don't know. Blue and cream. I think a pink squirrel has cream in it, um, and I think has it's foam. A pink yeah, I, it's an old timey drink, and and um, the friend, the the southern friend on Roseanne Crystal, she would always order a pink squirrel at the Lobo, so that's why. I, Oh my god! Again, there's another there's another excellent example of eighties with the women, you yes. know, yeah. in, in again a fem it was a feminist 
show, yes. even though, you know, everyone's in like working for a packing plant or working, you know, as a cop or working, you know, like everybody yeah. working in drywall, like mm-hmm. um, it was, you know, a woman raising her, what, her family. In what, in what instance did Lily Tomlin refer to them as being pink collar? Oh, the pink ghetto. The, the pink, pink, collar, ge- pink ghetto, collar ghetto. Yeah. It was, I think, when they were all smoking, but having an old-fashioned ladies' pop yeah. party. <laughs> I would like to think we are having right now. <laughs> Absolutely. With their one joint that lasted uh, them the entire night. Uh, I think it was around there yeah. where they realized we're in a pink collar ghetto. We cannot rise up. But again, we go way back to the beginning where Judy comes into the office and this is the 13th floor. And this is, I don't know, Carl who works in the mailroom and Carl is pissed that they brought brought in another lady to take a job that he could have taken. So you just see these levels of repression. Is that the right word? Yeah. Um, Because, because Mm -hmm. Carl, even though he is, was a man male. So maybe he had a leg up in this, in this corporation, but he wasn't exactly white. So, so that's why, so that was his struggle of, of getting into. Did they cut to Carl having a different job? I don't know. I don't think so. I think that he's still in the mail room. Yeah. I think it was still in the mailroom. He is still in the mailroom. Promote Carl. You see him in the background, like in one of those like big scenes where we're do, 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 yeah. and we're seeing the office and we're seeing the montage of painting the lockers yeah. and putting pencils in a, you know, in a British telephone pencil, <laughs> personality. And you see him sort of like, you know, rolling to the back. But yeah, you know, the, those scenes where they show the transformation of the office and I love that to 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 go from just your standard office like gray tone and the office conversation with Roz is a bit, it's it's talked about a lot that you cannot have a lot on your desk you, you can't even have coffee on your desk no. you have yep. to so drink your coffee in the break room you first there's a she goes to the the lush you know the ad yeah. girl lush and says Roz is on my case you got to put this your purse in your drawer yeah yeah yeah, yeah. which yeah. sounds to me, like, I, I think I take for granted this, uh, you know, I'm very firmly planted uh, the last of Generation X being born in the late 70s. Yeah. But I think I have a lot of these sensibilities that these kids today have of just like. You could if, have, if you work in like, in like cutoffs. Well, yeah, but I was going to say <laughs> the sensibility of if this job is, if you're not feeling it, then peace out. Bye. Because we got one life. We got one go around. And it's not worth going to a place for 40 hours a week where you can't even, like, have a plant or, like, have, like, personal things on your desk. And so I always take for granted this feeling of, like, I don't like this job. I'm looking for something else. Fuck it. I'm out. You know, but uh-huh. so many people had this this sensibility. And there are memes nowadays of, like, our parents telling us, like, if you work hard and stay with your job your whole life, they'll, like, yeah. They'll, you know, they'll give you retirement and all that. All that stuff's gone. But, you know, that sensibility of you get this job and this is your job for the long run, for the long haul. It's a job. Yeah. Yeah. I remember saying, again, I was a secretary for 20 years, you know, and it for different, for different uh, people. Mm -hmm. And I remember seeing the Devil Wears Prada. Yeah. (laughs) And all I could think was hang up for coat. <laughs> that was the way we were raised. You, it was a job, and yeah. it wasn't you were 
you you just put up with bad behavior. And yeah. like that was my skill was I could put up with really bad behavior. Um and that kept, you know, kept me on a job for a long time. And you did your sort of dream job, like I was writing, and you would do that on, on your sure. off hours. Yeah. Um, you know, so everything I saw in nine to five was something I had experienced. And, um, and Violet, very even, much Violet even tries to tries to throw out the that's not in my job description she, line. Yeah, she oh, tries. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But and you can tell that I it know. probably took a lot of work for her to say that and have that moment of, yeah. I really don't want to go buy your wife a scarf. Or what she yeah. thinks is yeah, his wife. for the wife. <laughs> that it probably... I know. Again, yeah. so well done. Like, and, <laughs> and even then, so when she gives that scarf to Dora Lee, and Judy is so horrified when she sees it, and Violet's just like, eh, mm, living yeah, yeah. what it is. Makes sense. You know, like, yeah. just, like, she's so used to it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I mean... And I, I think today the that's not my job attitude is is still obviously frowned upon in the in the office or in, you know, in the workplace. But I think even at the time, just for her to say, like, that's not in my job description. Never just, did I say yeah. that unless yeah. it was sexual harassment. Right, if it wasn't right. sexual harassment, I did it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just the, this this movie, it's still timely, like. 40 years later we're still watching it going oh my god like i you know because obviously the two of us still have you know we are working our day jobs and and scott said and there but for the grace of god and knock on wood i get to go to work in in shorts and a (laughs) t-shirt because i do i do work in i do work in tech and you know it's hybrid so i go to the office some days and when i do go it's like all right it's it's a little bit more casual but it, you know, it's it's still an office. It's still there's still office politics and all that stuff. And it is nowhere near what these and, ladies were going. And through. sometimes, I mean, I work like a I work a working man's like blue collar grocery job. Sometimes I look at jobs like nine to five, and I'm like, wow, that would really be it something. Was, uh, <laughs> that would really be something to, <laughs> to just go to it, the it office. Was, yeah, let me tell you, I stop. You know, I, when I was working in an office, it was nine to five. Yeah. So at five o'clock, do you need me for anything else? No. Okay. Bye bye. And then I did not hear a thing. Yeah. You know, for the rest of the day, for sure. the weekend, there was none of that. Pre cell phone, you know, email. Yep. And also, they didn't want to pay you any overtime, so they were like, "Get out! It's five. Leave." <laughs> you know. Uh, that time, ta- that punch, right. car- the punch cards, all of that stuff. The line. Have you ever the- had a punch? Have you had I've a had punch a, card? I've had a job with a punch card like that, like one of the. I old have machines. had. I had a job yep. with a punch card. Yeah. You know where I've had many, but I had a job with a punch card at Walt Disney World. Oh. Because I work at Walt Disney World. Uh, Love it. When I was twenty years old, they have a whole program where they recruit. They recruit like in Disney. They recruit. 80% from within the company. So they want college kids to come and work while they're in college. So I think it was 1990. Mm-hmm. I went and spent a semester there with all these Epcot kids and I worked in the parks where, fun fact, you had to wear a one inch heel every day. A one inch heel. Um, a one inch heel. One inch heel. I mean, you put, you know, I punched in, punched in and out, punched in and out. Wow. It was an interesting game. <laughs> my mom has a, my mom has a story of, uh, of getting dismissed because her and her coworkers had a scheme of clocking in and out for each other. 
Well, oh, I've done that. Of I've just done that. Calling, calling the clock office. Out. Yeah, calling the office saying, I'm, I'm going to be late. Can you clock in for me? And they would just go and yes. get her card and they would punch in for yeah. her. And then I've had, um, and they found it and they got caught. I've had bosses, I've had bosses fired yeah. over stuff. Bosses like that. fired for that stuff. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I I worked at a place where it wasn't a punch card; it was a code, or we had like a a, a badge, and then they switched it to a fingerprint. Because oh no. the, yeah, because the badges we could pass to each other. I guess they thought we never did. I never did that. But then they switched it to Were you a, ever. I not not for that kind of a thing. <laughs> I've been, fired I've been fired before. Course, I'll tell you why. <laughs> I was fired once. <laughs> yeah, I've I've been fired before, but not but not for but not for fraud. <laughs> I know the amount of stuff I stole, and I was never fired. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I was fired for my handwriting. <laughs> Your handwriting. I was fired from a job. Again, we go back to that detective job. And fun fact number one: if you put down a retainer. To find out if your husband is cheating on you, your husband is cheating on you. Yeah, sure. <laughs> That's number one. Yeah. Uh, number two is I, you know, I worked this job where I would sit there and transcribe notes from the field. So I'd have headphones on, mm-hmm. occasionally having my shoulders rubbed, <laughs> and, and write like two fifty five suspect is seen going into a hotel with you know secretary or whatever. So I would do that all day. And then I would take messages and you would take messages on like, you know, the old uh, pads of paper where you had like eight, eight pieces of paper Mm -hmm. with the the memo copy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Carbon copy. And the job was, if I was alone in the office, I'd take these messages down and then you would tape them over the door so that the detectives would see them. And I got fired because I couldn't read my writing. Oh, no. I'm sure no. it was probably for more than that. Oh, uh, probably God. resisting advances, but still, that yeah. was that was the. I got fired on a message. It was over a, on my answering machine. I got fired on your on <laughs> your answering machine. Oh, God. Oh, wow! On my, I got home from like you know. It's like hi, this is Sun. So you're fired. <laughs> I can't read your writing. I'm like uh, okay, wow. okay. <laughs> Oh my god, these these jobs they're 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 fleeting. But yeah, sometimes I I mean, I'm off late at night. Sometimes I look at 9 to 5 jobs and I'm just like, maybe I should get one of those. Yeah, you get your you get your two, two three weeks vacation, you get your full benefits. Like it was a good 9 to 5 was a good good time, but I, does that even exist anymore? I don't know. I think it's pretty hard. In yeah, office especially. Yeah, it's, and, it's, you know yeah, my, yeah, you know, post post COVID, going back into the office, it's a, it's a weird situation. Like, um, I like the fact that it's hybrid and I get to stay home. I'm working from home today, um, <laughs> but uh, you know, it's it's there. Uh, the the I'm in, in a tech. I'm in the tech field, so um, right now. I'm currently not managed by by women, but previously I was because I was in the customer mm-hmm. service. Yeah, and so going for customer service is typically more of like they get the ladies to deal with that. I guess oh, yes. they're better with handling people. I don't Patience, know. yeah. Patience, yeah. Yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. But being more on the tech side now um, and working more in a male-driven environment, it's completely different. First of all, oh. it's very different than than being managed and working with mostly women. Um, yeah, I, meetings, uh, all that stuff. It's 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 so weird. It's just like 
again, I just look back on, I thought, I always thought I could have a job because, you know, the ability to manage someone's schedule, mm. like I would manage your schedule, you know, I would file all your insurance and your family's insurance, you know, I would, you know, handle eight phone lines and conference call and all that stuff. And, you know, it were just such skills. And yeah. I don't know if those skills are still um, needed anymore. And I, and when I watched nine to five, this go around to see those elevator doors open and to see a sea of typewriters, mm-hmm. to hear the typewriters, you know, to hear that bustle and you're just stacked one behind the next. Um, you don't, I don't think you see that anymore. And there's something, I don't want to say romantic about it, but there was something nostalgic about sure. it. You, know, you, you had your, you know, there was that moment where Dolly Parton is having her fantasy of sexually harassing Dabney Coleman. And she's like, oh, you're mine from nine to five. You know, there's that whole mentality of your work wife, your work husband. Yeah, you know? yep, yep, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. We haven't really talked about the banger theme song, the song of this movie, the Nine song. to Five. Oh, like this. I mean, like the nails. The nails. Would you probably put it in top five singles of Dolly? I think I would. Yes, absolutely. It's probably my number one. I mean, I love Jolene. Of yes, course, we yeah, all yeah. love Jolene. And I, we all love I Will Always Love You. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. But Nine to Five is right up there. What else is up there? And the, the lyrics are like, they're just perfect. They're so oh, true. So they still ring true. Yes. You know, um, there. Yeah, there's just there's the the stories of of Jane and everyone saying like, and she and she sang us the song for the first time, and she played it on the nails, and you know, <laughs> yes, there's a great line, you know, but you've got dreams they'll never take away, mm-hmm. and that again was my mantra of becoming a writer it's like i'm gonna have this nine to five job i'm gonna be responsible but my dream is to write and and that was always in my head this movie like was everything to me and still is everything it shaped me so much it's divine yeah Uh, it's (laughs) so good I wanted to mention the Oscar category. So Dolly has never won an what Oscar. For? I forgot. It was, Did nominated, she win for it was nominated for original song. Do you know what it lost to? And I know Absolutely. that and I know that you love this movie. Wait, 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 wait. 1980. Wait. Think about I'm it. I'm gonna guess. Yep. Christopher Cross from Tootsie? No. Oh. What it is, is it? It is uh it lost to fame. The title song Fame, Fame written by Michael Gore, <laughs> Leslie Gore's, I mean, Leslie Gore's brother. A, of course it did. Yeah. Yes, of course. That's I mean, that what, was, else was, what else was in the, What else was up for nomination? So On the Road so Again, Fame. Willie Nelson was nominated, ro- which is like, I mean, <laughs> oh iconic yeah. Willie Nelson song. Yes. Um, another song from Fame that Michael <gasps> oh, Gore I, wrote oh, I, with Leslie, what his sister, is it? it is... Out here on my own. Yes, I was about to say it breaks me. That song breaks me. Yes. (laughs) Then there's another (laughs) song from a movie called The Competition. People alone. I'm not super familiar with it. People alone. I don't don't know that one. I don't know that, but I I will Spotify it. We get off this. We love though the '80s when there was really like movie themes, movie music. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Original. Anything else? I have to say, was anything else nominated for an Academy Award for Nine to Five? Yeah, besides song, or was that it? I think it was just song. Just the song. I I can't. Yeah, I think that maybe they. I think maybe Lily got 
a Globe nomination. Here, let me look it up. Yeah, because yeah, because Globes do. Oh, Dolly got the Globe nomination. I bet she did for supporting. Dolly actress. got no. It was lead actress in <sighs> musical comedy, and wow. also this was back when the Globes did st- new star of the year. Oh, uh, was um, it? What the whose whose big award was that? New oh, star of the year. Controversial Globe win. Pia Zadora. Pia Zadora. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it was. Oh, my God. But thinking of her three picture contracts, so was it this, Bessel, Whorehouse, and Still Magnolias? I think think it was Rhinestone. Rhinestone. All right, all right, I've actually never seen Rhinestone. And I know that it's like, it's the country, My Fair Lady. Yes. Dolly's filmography is really interesting because I think that she's been very forward of if the role caters to somebody like me, I'm game. Steel Magnolias. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Perfection. Truthy perfection in that movie. Get her her juice. Get her her juice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. There's such thing as natural beauty. There is no such thing as natural beauty. Oh, my God. uh, so, oh gosh, who was I thinking of the other day when I was just like, she has had more personal trauma in her life than Elizabeth Taylor. <laughs> Winona. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> some of, yeah, Dolly has some of the best lines in Steel Magnolias, and that's hard because that movie yeah. is just chock full of lines. She's, she's so good. She's so good in it. Um, but yeah, I think it's that thing where it's like these characters are kind of just in her wheelhouse, just. Uh, I don't know. She, it's it's very interesting because I think within the past decade, she's really kind. I think pop culture has really kind of embraced Dolly as this uh, wholesome kind of figurehead, philanthropist. Yeah, and I think- and job giver. I went to Dollywood for the first time Ooh, last year. Have you been? No, no, I would love to go. We really, um, go. you must go. Yeah. It's a very easy trip from Knoxville. Okay. You go at Christmas time, which is when I went, where there's like 500,000 lights all over the park. It is the cleanest park <laughs> I have ever been to. It has the most horrifying roller coasters you will <laughs> ever be. Love it. It has a recreation of her, you know, little mountain household oh, where right. apparently seven people lived. Right. Um, I ate three turkey dinners there. <laughs> Full turkey dinners there for the first three days. It is heaven it yeah. is heaven and you must go yeah you must go but then she is like she's just this icon and the whole point of dollywood is she has employed like a whole sure. town yep. of people. people retire and move there to work as retirees wow. half the park is run by octogenarians what? in the parking <laughs> in the gift shops it is unbelievable love it uh a friend's just retired and moved there and one's working in the parking lot and one's working in the candle dip and stop. Her most recent television movie was set. Mm. It was all set in Dollywood. Mostly in Dollywood. Yep. Oh, I didn't see it. They did this great thing where she had like some song and dance numbers, but some of them had a little heavy choreography and we were watching this with the remote in our hand Going anytime you did not see her face, we were like clearly when you do not see I Dolly don't in the shot. Think this yeah. is Dolly. <laughs> no. <anymore. laughs> 
I think she may not be in this shot when it's just the back of her head. Um, does your dress have to go over your head? Uh, <laughs> but Pete, what what you were going for was that I think that the public persona and also whenever you would see Dolly on talk shows like Carson, yeah. it was always yeah. sort of a sex bomb conversation. Right, right, right. right. And I think that just within the past couple decades, Dolly's been really embraced of just being this wholesome public figure that both the right and the left lover. Like yeah. everybody yeah. loves yeah. Dolly. Yeah. She's yeah. kind of well, untouchable. She, she she was one of the first people to show herself getting a vaccination. Yeah. She yeah. got a million dollars to get that vaccine. Yeah. I mean, I think that calmed a lot of waters when she yeah. did that. Yeah. Um and what was I going to tell you about Dolly? The other thing that about Dolly is you don't know about her personal life. Right. No. She right. She's that husband to herself. Yep. yep. I see he's still around. Yeah. But it, <laughs> you don't know. She is long married. Yep. No children, right? No children. No, ch- no kids. You know, yeah. um, she's like a bizarre saint. And apparently she doesn't email. She sends you a fax. Oh, love. Yeah, she sends fax. you a fax. All right. Yeah. I love that. I, I also love that. Because her personal life is so private that yeah. the especially in the eighties, I think there were a lot of tabloid rumors that they would try to get and nothing sticks. Nope. Nothing no. ever sticks. Oh, no. she's a lesbian. Oh, it's an open relationship. Yep. Oh, he's dead. Like none of it sticks. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. I, I just I love Dolly at at this time in her life. Yeah. You know, again, she's so soft and so beautiful. And even when she was they try, you know, they try, they tried to paint her as the rest of the office saw her as this, mm. like, she's so pretty and has big boobies. And, you know, so she must be screwing the boss. And he's saying that there were so many moments where you saw her doing her job and doing it well, well yeah. you know, yeah. um, and I just, I just love her. And I think a lot of that yeah. probably comes from Dolly's story coming up in, in country music is that yeah. how easy yeah. would it be to dismiss Dolly as this dumb blonde and she became one of the most powerful figures in country music and also just pop in, in just popular music. Yeah. And there is come out of the trend, 1970s. You know, I'm going to sound so old now, but there's <laughs> such a trend with young female uh, singers of putting on this sort of, um, I'm, I'm censoring myself, over-sexualized <laughs> Sure. persona okay. like are you watching the idol have you seen the idol we know we, have we haven't watched, watched idol. but we know I watched all about three it. episodes yeah. and that was enough but it's this whole thing of you know over sexualizing yourself which i see sometimes in young women because i think that young women associate sexuality with being an adult or with having power right. and dolly never did that you know her looks were just an asset she never you know she wrote her own music you know yes. she ran her own businesses you know she, she it was a perfect balance um again with nine to five these are three women in very realistic limited jobs and yet they rose to power were true feminist but looked very cute in their you know in their belted two pieces perms and uh you know ring sets well because i think it was such a transitional time of just like we are going to kind of break these traditions of you know this sexist kind of gap but also we do have to main like the the late 70s and early 80s yeah it's like what women their their personal appearance is part of their 
I don't know. Like it's, it's part of your, your, it's part of the power, but it's part of the presentation. It's part of the package. And again, in nine to five, um, the first thing Dabney Coleman does is say, and you know, you're very pretty to, um, to Judy Judy. says, thank you, sir. And then he has to say, not like some of the uggos. (laughs) (laughs) And you see, you know, right, right. Violet and Violet just keeps a frozen, Mm -hmm. just nothing, you know, poker face doesn't feed into it at all um and another thing is she would have never risen to power at the end unless um dabby colbin had been taken to brazil she right. would still yeah. be in she wasn't in jail she'd still be in the position right with him you know writing her to success the yeah. ending is interesting because he <laughs> you know he does kind of get away with what they were initially going to take him down with was some sort of embezzlement, money the laundering, op- the office, the yeah. office intrigue yeah. portion. But yeah, the office yeah. intrigue. But you know, he ultimately yeah. does buy. He buys all the merch back at his own expense, which he says, and it was expensive. So that kind of that kind of dinged him. But he, you know, he t- again takes all the credit for everything. At the end yeah. of the day, he does get sent to Brazil for what four years. <laughs> It's all karma. That's yeah. karma. So it's the, he takes yeah. all the credit for her work, and then he's he gets what he deserves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I do. I do love that Doralee. Her little ending said that she gets to be a, a country western singer. <laughs> what do they say about? Okay, so what do they say <laughs> happens? Xerox machine. <laughs> the, yeah. yeah. Okay, so Violet gets promoted to vice president. Yeah, which is pretty good, vice president. Good. All right, Cons- soon that's his job. Am I right? I mean, I think so. His... Yeah, I think he was a VP. Yeah. yeah. Of, yeah. of Consolidated, whatever consumers, it is, yeah. whatever, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. Uh, Judy quits and marries a Xerox repairman, which yeah. is cute. Yeah, <laughs> and but again, but you know, because she gets married again, she gets to quit her job. Does it say she quit? It says she or quit. It does well, say it she does, quit. Wait, I don't know. Now, oh, I, now uh, I'm, I don't remember. Yeah. She, I mean, I have to my memory, but you said she fell in love and married. So she fell in love and married. And the married the parents. parents. But I don't know if she quit. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Maybe you're right. Maybe I'm just thinking she. Quit. I would. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you had Milo that you're, is your boss, so maybe you wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. True. Dora Lee, yeah. though, she gets to quit because she gets she gets to yes. be a famous country and western singer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess her husband must be a country music, you know, star because well, you know he's, he's off on the road. Yeah, That's how they get to go to her gigs. house, which I loved. Her house. Let's sit around Dolly's house, eat leftover barbecue that her yeah. husband made, make chains, and smoke pot. Yeah, <laughs> enjoy <right>. it. <laughs> at that is first, my idea. At first, sit on the porch. Yeah, it's, we thought, it seemed amazing. We thought it was an, an apartment. When she had her scene with the husband, it was only in the bedroom. And I don't know for what yeah. reason we just assumed it was an apartment. But then yeah. when the girls come over, we're like, oh, no. She's got a big old house. We have a phone Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so neither of us are or were very familiar with the, I guess, short-lived sitcom. Multiple seasons. I have seen the sitcom. I have seen the musical. All right. I hear the musical is really good. It's fine. It's fine. It was fine. Okay. Okay. So the sitcom on IMDb does say 1982 to 1988, but I don't think it was running for six years. I think it was. Now, I'm going from, again, memory only. Yeah. Did it start John Travolta's aunt 
who was like the mother in uh, 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 the Karate Kid. Who played Violet? Uh, oh, Rita Moreno. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you're thinking of Ellen Travolta, who was on like Charles in Charge and kind of looks like John Travolta, but it's his sister. Did you think, I'm going to jump in right now and Mm -hmm. just ask you this. Did you see the John Travolta and Lily Tomlin movie where they have a long affair? I have never seen it, but I have been told about it. You need to yep. stop everything <laughs> mm-hmm. and watch it. They're, they are naked. What there a is pairing. a scene, and they have the same hairdo. <laughs> it is really enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> what yes. an odd pairing. Oh, it's del- It's called like, I don't know, The Older Woman or something sure. like that. I don't know. It's delicious. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, uh, the 9 to 5 sitcom, like I said, it's credited as 82 to 88, but I think it did the thing like... It's a living where it got canceled uh, and then got picked up for another, first run syndication. Another network. Okay, yeah. sure. Kind of um, like Mama's Family. And Mama's Family, the same thing happened. So mm-hmm. it would get canceled, get picked up, and it was on different channels, different networks. Then it was syndicated because it starts off in 82. Season two is also 82. And then it just jumps to 87. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like all of a sudden starring Rachel Rachel Pardon Rachel Pardon George Dolly's sister as Dora Lee as Dora Lee yep yeah. that's why the oh, Dolly yeah. looks so much like Dolly Oh my gosh yeah. I did not remember that Yes Oh wow And did Dabney Coleman play himself play yeah. the same role It's uh it's Jeffrey Tambor <laughs> Oh yeah, of course it yeah. is. Yeah, of course it is. Yeah. Poor man's <laughs> the poor man's uh, Daphne Coleman. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yes, um, of course it is. Hey, Gene Marsh from Willow as Roz. Gene Marsh How do you like as that? Roz. Okay, all right. Look at that. Yeah. So so uh, yeah, I, I'm not really familiar with it. Neither of us have seen the uh, the the stage show, but from your glowing reviews, maybe we'll um, we'll check it out on YouTube. <laughs> Fine. I think yeah. that Lily Tomlin did a, a brief little run on it, I think. I think that she would do some, like, guest starring performances. I may be making that up. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. I don't know. It's all about the, it's all about the movie for me. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. absolutely. I mean, it's, it's from the minute it starts with that theme song, it's just, it's, like, on a roll. <laughs> the clock. All the bedside clocks at six o'clock. Everybody, you know, pressing their mm-hmm. clock. And I, of course, this time I'm looking to see like what books are on their nightstand. Uh-huh. You know, like what's mm-hmm. what's happening? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's love it. it. Yeah, and, and and you know, we talk about sometimes older movies maybe being paced a little differently or you know having different sensibilities but i don't know this movie is just it's I think quick it's pretty it's snappy off the ground running yeah it's off the ground and running and they're all so engaging that you're just like mm-hmm. what's and happening it's such a different thing you're like is it going to be a it's like, there's like three different movies is it going to be um you know a classic 1970s woman goes back to the works mm-hmm. force Alice doesn't live here type, you know, movie. Mm-hmm. Is it going to be a crazy fantasy, yeah. uh, magical realist type of movie? Or is it going to be, you know, slapstick? Uh, what's it going to, you know, what's it going to be? It changes pace, mm-hmm. you know, constantly. And there just isn't a wasted 
note. No. There's just not a wasted moment. Yeah. Um, it's so, and I, and watching it this time, I thought, who wrote this? Like, I, <laughs> you know who wrote it? It was written by Colin Higgins <laughs> and Patricia Resnick. And but I think he that, wrote yep. two of my other favorite movies, not in the top three, but two of my other favorite movies. Harold and Maude, he wrote. Oh. Foul Play, he wrote. Yep. Which I had no idea. And, and, and then he died at 47. And then and he I, later went to direct oh. Best Little Whorehouse in Texas with Dolly. Yes, with mm-hmm. Dolly. Yes. I, I, and I think that he, mustachioed uh, gentleman Burt Reynolds. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that Colin Higgins was, re- I think that he was a replacement for a director that didn't work out for Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. I think he was brought in fairly late in that production. I wonder if Dolly brought him in because it was such Possibly. a good experience. Yep. Yeah. But what a talented writer. And I, I hadn't put that together. And then he died very young. And I don't know how he died. But uh, oh, okay. I can. Yeah. You know. But uh, what a record with just those three movies. Ooh, he, um, also, he also wrote the miniseries based on Shirley MacLaine's novel, Out on a Limb. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, no. oh, my God. Again, I have read it. <laughs> I read it when I was in high school. Yeah. It is enjoyable. That, oh, yeah. That but book I'm was starring her, right? Yeah, starring Shirley as herself. That book yes. was in heavy rotation in my family. I feel like there was like two copies that everybody passed all my aunts and like cousins yeah. and sisters all passed it back and forth and it was it was very topical in Yes, I want to reread that. Right. Did you read her? She had a book come out a couple, I don't know, like in the last 10 years called Enough Already. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was it. Yeah. Valerie Bertinelli, or Valerie Bertinelli had one of a similar title. Maybe hers was Enough Already. Yeah. But it was, I think it was it was Shirley MacLaine was Enough Already. And it's just, I'm, you know, 100 years old, Enough Already. This I is what that. I, yeah. it's one of those like, I'm a grand dam and this sure. is my life. Everything's fine. It's terrific. You know, we just watched a, Scott, who who did the YouTube video on First Wives Club Cinema? It was Be Kind Rewind. Be Kind Rewind. And I just watched her uh, her Dolly YouTube episode. essay on Dolly. Have you ever heard of the YouTube channel Be Kind Rewind? She does yeah. a lot of Best Actress videos, just kind of looking at the, the history of cinema through the Best Actress category. Ooh. And she just did a, just sort of this oral history about... Book club cinema of book club cinema That's within the past called. few years of that all of these older ladies are starting to want to make movies with each other again and yes. you get stuff like eighty for Brady or book club and just kind yeah. of what a interesting and subgenre Grace and Frankie and Grace and Frankie yeah I yeah. mean oh yeah that was very popular which yeah. kind of Grace and I Frankie mean, was huge it was yeah. which phenomenal I mean and I don't want to put it this time but it's part of the reason I'm watching and just like that I just yeah. want to see those ladies yeah <laughs> you know like and like God bless you know God bless Cynthia Nixon showing it all she's I'm like Cynth- she bless is, you Cynthia Nixon she's <laughs> out there she is she's, putting it all she's out there with the strap on oh my god there in water in and the I'm bathtub yep <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, all of all of those movies, like Book Club and Eighty for Brady, I mean, is they have a lot to thank for a movie like Nine to Five. That's right, because yep. we all want to go see it. You know, yeah. I, you know, that's who's going to see it is people who is people, ladies, yeah. you know, like me are going to see it. You know, I went to, I took my. This is a little bit different, but I took my thirteen-year-old niece to see Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, mm. and Love you know, it. it was it was terrific. Yeah, so terrific. Good. Again, not a misnote. Perfect. Yeah. I loved it. Um, 
And we're, we get up to leave and everybody's applauding mm-hmm. and we're at the very front and we turn and it's my 13 year old niece and everybody else is my age or older, <laughs> you, know, you know, watching the 13 year olds movie because yeah. we just relive it. Um, there's another good one with uh, that Steven Sodenberg directed on a boat with uh, Candace Bergen oh. and, and uh, uh, you Let's, know, like, it's like, we're just, it's COVID. We're going to take a cruise. Let and them talk. <laughs> Let them all talk. <laughs> Okay. Candace Bergen yes, really good in that movie too. Yes. Yes, she was very good in that movie. And was it Diane Weist was in it? Diane Weist, um, yep. Did I yeah, see and, and other one. Um I don't third. think so. Yeah, that was that was like I released missed, I, missed that I think one. that was released early 2021 and yeah, that okay. was a COVID movie that they just shot this movie on this luxury cruise going to Europe. Yeah. It's White Lotus. It's these yeah. things let's go to an enclosed area. Yeah, yeah. And and Movie and the old ladies, you know, we're just you want to be on a boat, you'll be sitting on the boat, you'll be sitting at dinner, you'll be sitting here, you'll be sitting there, you know. Uh, (laughs) But Jane Fonda, again, to see her both of them without plastic surgery, I would like to know how old they were at the time. They're probably younger than I think they were. How old were they all at the time? Let's see. This I bet Jane was probably around. I, I thought, thought she I bet was, that she was around my age at the time. I bet that she was about thirty-seven. I mean, Jane would have been coming off of the China syndrome, too. So, I mean, she yeah. was really into making movies about causes. We got Coming Home, Vietnam yeah. Vets, oh, Coming Home, oh. uh, the China Pond. syndrome. On Golden yep. Pond. Okay, so Daddy love me, please. Daddy love me on Golden Pond. <laughs> so with Dabney <laughs> Coleman. <laughs> With Daniel yes. Coleman on Golden Pond. So uh, Jane was 43. And that Thank means. Thank you. And that Beautiful. means Lily was about 41. Beautiful. Okay. So. And how old was Dolly? Uh, let's see. So Jane was older than I, older yeah, than I thought she was. Yeah, 43. Yeah. I thought she was early 40s. 46, uh, and, all, and those two women were thin. Yeah. <laughs> Very thin. Um, but to waist. see. How old, is, how old was Dolly? She's 34. Dolly was 34. Dolly was 34. Wow. Yeah. She was dewy, dewy and, and beautiful. Yeah. Um, she's a, she's and almost 10 bras. years younger. The cone bra. Yeah. yeah. Cone bras. I mean, it was cross your heart. Maiden for cone bra. Looked <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Yeah. Her, her, her figure, her foundation garments oh. in this and, and best little whorehouse in Texas. They are... <laughs> Yes, yeah. amazing. They're aerodynamic. Yes, I think there's actual whale bones in the, <laughs> those, those bras. I think so. But you look at, look at uh, they've all had so much plastic surgery, but uh, especially Jane Fonda's had really good plastic surgery. Jane Fonda's had that great. Some good yeah, great, great, bra. great work. And um, and there was a one moment where she had gray hair. She I don't know when it was, but the, she got a short gray haircut. Oh, it looked terrific. Oh, it's in and the then movie. She did There's a movie with just her and Lily. Yeah. And it's, is it like a mystery oh, or something? I think so. I can't and she's got, a, she's got a gray bob in that one. Um, it so, great. So Dolly, being that she is in uh, the music industry, her costumes have always given a little bit more. I think you get a little bit more leeway to, to look a little bit more kooky. When you're a musician, right? Yep. Razzma, a little bit more pizzazz, right? Razzle dazzle. Yeah. So she gets to wear the fingerless glove, 
you know, on a talk yes. show or on an appearance. Because as we know, yeah. Keaton. Yes, and Diane Keaton. And well, Madonna. Yeah. As, she can't fix the hands. She can't fix the hands, as we know. So, this latest special that is in Dollywood, we've got our 55-inch TV that yep. I'm sitting with my nose up to the front, TV. looking at her hands going, she is wearing silicone fingerless gloves yes. to mimic yes. skin. Believe it. I believe it 100%. Yep. And you can, it's only, fierce. you can tell when she's holding a mic because there are cutouts for her thumbs, <gasps> you know, because you you need the, the dexterity in there. So it's not a full glove. That's crazy. It's not like right? a blade. Yeah. Watching. <laughs> yeah. those, those, those weird like Duracell commercials from the 90s where people were like, <laughs> in, like walking toys. No, but yeah. So- Right out of a Ryan Murphy horror. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but we're watching and we're going, oh my God. And we're pausing and going back and looking in and we're like, all right, fierce. Because you can't tell unless you really, you know, are like us idiots just <laughs> trying to Money zoom in. But she had that razzmatazz. She about razzmatazz. She, there were many a cardigan mm. in nothing but many a cardigan and nine to five and she comes in at one point with like a not a sequenced what is that material called it's green and shiny oh i love her little i love her little sequence coat it's cute (laughs) (laughs) but again you go back you look at you look at what they were wearing and lily tomlin was so much that was an office look there was it was professional she had many of you know but it was relaxed and then you've got Jane Fonda coming into what she thinks you're supposed to yes. wear right, right. in office. So it is again. There it was. It must have been six pussy bow. What the- uh, you know, um, at ruffle ruffle collar. You know, button to the to the wrist. Very proper. What does Violet say about her hat? I think I think we're gonna we're need, gonna need a special gonna, locker for the special hat. Locker for that hat. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. I mean, we could go on about this forever, but I, unfortunately, we do uh, have to wrap up for time because uh, I do have to get back to work today, nine to five. Helen, <laughs> taking an extended my lunch. Day, my whole day is, is around this. This is the highlight of my day. Helen, thank, thank you, you so much, much for coming. And you just had a book that came out Kiss Me in the Coral L- Lounge, correct? I'm want... sitting in the Coral Lounge. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Oh, you know, I'll tell you, it's about, it's intimate confessions from a happy marriage. I'm married 20, 22 years. And it's about, you know, just those little secrets that are, are worth, worth talking about. And a big secret, of course, would be Viagra. <laughs> <laughs> a it's big funny. secret. So, it's like a Southern <laughs> David. <Harris. laughs> Love it. Awesome. And so I'm imagining that book is available anywhere. Fine. Books are sold. Anywhere, everywhere. <laughs> and if you want to hear this voice even more, you can. I will read it to you on audiobook. Awesome. Okay. okay. And where can our listeners, do you have a social media where they can find you? Or is I'm on private? Inst- Instagram. Okay. Instagram pretty much only. And that's uh, Helen Ellis Author and Instagram. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, this was so much Thank fun. You. I mean... As I interrupt you yet again, because I have to gush a little bit more. So when you have a book come out, your publicist says, is there anything you really want to do? And 
Is there any podcast that we might not know about? You know, anything you like you want to shoot for the stars? And the number one was, I want to go on. Oh, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> just to have a chance to talk to those two because I, you're in my ears every week and oh, I love your show. And you. you did not disappoint. And I thank you so much for having me talk about my favorite movie of all time and the 200th episode. Oh, you're so welcome. This was this was great. And hopefully if any of our listeners have, are not familiar with this movie, they go out and watch it immediately. It's on it, HBO Max. It's on the Max. Come on. No more excuses. I think Tomlin's called Falling in Love. That might be it. You Falling in Love. Okay. Oh, that, that sounds right. Uh, like Tomlin right. too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we will go ahead and let you go. But thank you so much again. And hopefully we'll be able to have you on in the future. Oh, we for sure will. Yeah. All righty. Well, uh, see you next time. All right. Bye. See you later. Bye. Thanks for listening, everybody. Pete, Scott, we've been doing this podcast for 200 episodes. 200 episodes. I can't believe 200. I mean, I tried to do a Google search. That is a lot. How many episodes does the average podcast record? I couldn't even find the answer. (laughs) Sure. I mean, there's so many podcasts out there. There's so many podcasts that come and go. You know, they start them. They... Stop doing them. We've been they, covering some really fun movies. They're not as as uh, as uh, timely with their episodes as ours. Come on, we have one every week for you. We've been covering some really fun movies, and every milestone episode, I've been doing it for episode one hundred and one fifty. We celebrate with the plot with the. Plot keyword quiz. Pete. Okay. Are you ready to hear some weird plot keywords? And I guess yes. the name of the movie All right. from I'm, an episode that we have covered. So we are doing episodes 150 through 200. Okay. That is like the bulk of episodes. Okay. Lay it on me. Family relationships. All right. Genius. Cutting one's hair. Tidy whities. Uh, Royal Tenenbaums. Very good. Yay. Okay. All right. Gunshot. Gunshot. Urban setting. Urban setting. Bare-chested male. Money laundering. Working girl? Donation. It's not working girl? Pottery. No! Wait. It is not working Donation girl. Donation. Oh, it's, it's ghost. Very good. It's ghost. Our episode <laughs> on ghost with Joshua Clement. All right. All right. Bare-chested male. Pottery. Magical. Mm-hmm. Based on novel, magical realism, men, man in tights, man in tights, disembodied hand, magical mirror, disembodied hand, uh, uh, is uh, is it um, French provincial countryside horse? Is it uh, practical magic? No. No. Um, okay, wait. There's a disembodied hand. There's a disembodied go, go back hand. to some of them. There's okay. a man in tights. Based on a horse? novel. Magical realism. Uh-huh. Man in tights. Man in tights. Disembodied hand and magical mirror. And magical mirror. I'm just, I'm going to need some more just off the top of my head. French provincial. Yeah, that was in there. Horse. Horse. Um, Sisters. 
And it's not practical magic. It is not. Pr- <laughs> it is. Give me a year. Not, Give me a year. It is from the forties. Oh, it's from the forties. Oh, okay. So then it's uh, the Beauty and the Beast. La Belle, La Belle, and La, La Bette. Bette. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. You weren't very good on that one. I no. thought that you were going to get it. No. All right. Birthday party. Birthday party. Actor shares first name with character. Journalism. Reference to J.K. Rowling and publishing. Uh, Devil Wears Prada. Yep. Who, what actor shares name with the character? Annie. Oh, I thought she was Andy. Andrea Sachs. Yeah, I guess. Come on, IMDb. Get your shit together. That's what Maybe it was there's on. another one. That was one on, on IMDb. It's a... Uh... Oh, well. Next one. Okay. Cult film. All right. End of the world. Football. Harry Chest. Whipping. Famous opening theme. Football. Mm-hmm. Whipping. Harry Chest. Harry Chest. And famous opening theme. And famous. Oh, uh, but end of the world? Why is end that? End of the world. Why is that in there? Do you want me to give you the year that it yeah, came out? Yeah, give me the year that it came I out. I think it's 1980. It's the best little whorehouse in Texas? No. End of the world? Well, I... No! Whipping? Whipping. 1980. Um, gosh, why am I drawing a blank? Uh, Hawk. Hawk. And football. Wings. And space. Oh, oh, God, it's Flash Gordon. I mean... Yeah, there's I need the end, to have you. The end of the you world don't really this. like to do the quizzes, but like you never make them. So I always have to torture oh, you with so, the quizzes. Oh so, oh, so I never make them. All right. So we got boat. Okay. Male rear nudity. Okay. Hotel. Okay. Female director falling through ceiling and Mediterranean. Boat. Hotel. Female director. And male rear nudity. Falling through ceiling. Falling through the ceiling. And Mediterranean. And we're in the Mediterranean with this one. All right. I'm I'm thinking... I'm, I'm putting on my... Oh, my gosh. Listeners, help me out. Okay. We let get me a lot of, like, male, male rear nudity in this one. Um, do, we didn't do Under the Tuscan Sun. No! Um, pop band. Pop band. Spice World? Nightclub act. Chicago? Oh, <laughs> uh, Pete. What year is this? It's this 2008. 2008. Oh, that doesn't help me either. Uh, Greece. It's in Greece? Oh, is Mamma Mia. Mamma Mia. Mamma Mia! Okay. We got the last one. All right. Depression. Depression. Birthday cake. Falling out of a window. Straight actor playing gay and flowers. Uh, the hours. Very good. I knew that one. Pete, thank you so much for putting up with my 200 <laughs> That's They're hard, but I like playing the games. 
Maybe all for right. the next quiz, you'll have to give it to me. Okay, maybe, uh, maybe I, uh, I'll give it to you. All right, I, I will. I will come up with a good quiz. But I, I, I enjoy these quizzes, despite what you may think. Um, that was really fun. I can't believe we have two hundred episodes in the two hundred episodes, baby. Jeez, Louise. That's something like and you know, two thousand you know, hours. We've of actually have recorded content. more, but sometimes just how you number episodes. This is officially episode two hundred, right? When you factor in bonus episodes and stuff, it's actually more, right? Right. And right. I don't even remember for our first Oscar episode, we may have even numbered the episode on that one. We I did. don't remember. We did. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so, I mean, geez, Louise, listeners, thank you so much. Yes, thank you so much. Um, I mean, come on. This this show is a labor of love. It's been a journey. We love doing it. Yeah, we we absolutely are here every week. Like, yeah, it's a creative outlet for the two of us. It's just... um, and anytime anybody ever says like, oh, I lo- you know, I love listening to your show. Like, I listen every week. Like, I'm so glad that you got, you know, whatever. I'm just kind of shocked that people are still just like tuning in, you know, every week just to listen to our, our little opinions about, about these shows. I mean, I know that I am very funny. But, uh, you know, just thank you guys so much for, for sticking with us all this time. And, yeah. You know, being active on the socials and, and you know, being active on, on Instagram and commenting and liking and sharing and, and all that stuff and 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 um, coming out to the live events here in L.A. Like, yeah, it means a lot to us. And uh, the show, uh, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. And we're going to we're going to stick around doing it as long as we possibly can. You know, I know what uh, what and just like that may have said about the podcasting industry. Overcrowded. <laughs> No, that the bottom fell out and that nobody's doing podcasts anymore. It's because Carrie wouldn't talk about her <laughs> vagina. That's why. If Carrie Bradshaw could only say the word vagina on her podcast, then the bottom wouldn't have fallen out of this whole, industry. It, the whole industry. I mean, we're literally doing this on our kitchen table. Like, come on, people. I mean, we've, we've progressed to the kitchen table. <laughs> From the couch. <laughs> All right, Pete. Let's wind this down. I think that we have some Patreon shout-outs, I think. Yes. And let's hear them. Uh, it's time for the Patreon shout-outs. Thanks for sticking around this long, everybody. But we've got to say hello to all of our wonderful patrons who tune in every single week, including Kelly, Chrissy, Steven, Jake, Desiree, Adam, Chris, Laura, Thomas, Brenna, Jessa Rabbit, Lawrence, Lisa, Alexis, Thomas, Mark, Jackson, Millie, Ted, Benny, Jermel, Melanie, Susan, JJ, Muffy, Jamie, DS, Genevieve, Don, Joshua, Emily, Melly, Aaron, Jessica, John, Nick, and Shannon, Christina, and finally Rufino. Thank you, for Thank you so much. You're helping keep the show up and running, ad free. Uh, you know, there's tons of extra stuff on the Patreon. Check it out. Uh, an entire season of Drag Race recaps, uh, over 30 Watch Us commentary tracks, and more stuff coming your way. So mm-hmm. patreon.com slash movies that made us gay for more information. Follow us on our socials. We're on everything. We're at movies that made us gay on Instagram and Facebook. We're at Pod on Twitter. And follow us on threads. And we're on threads. Uh, if you're on Instagram, you're following us on threads. But uh, if you want to give us five stars, 
Head over to Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We would love, love some it. kind words. Mm-hmm. And write us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you want to listen to, or if you want to follow our personal socials, feel free. I'm at Peter Lasagna on Instagram and uh, threads. I'm Scott Youngballer on Instagram and follow my letterbox. Yes, indeed. Thank you so much once again, everybody. Until next week. Bye. Bye.